Deirdre Sonda and I'm from the DC area. Angela, I am from Lindsay, Michigan and I'm 29. What is the difference in your mind between parent involvement and family engagement in a child's education? I think um, when I think about parents and families all together being engaged in education, I think it's part of community. And I think um, it's a very, very important part of any child's education is to have parents involved. Um, and certainly they should be a part of the equation in talking about their child's education. But then I th also think that there is a way where they become too involved and, um, and that then becomes an issue. All right, thank you so of much, course. you guys. I really appreciate it. I definitely think that both of those concepts are two distinct but interrelated ideas. Um, I think parental involvement ideally is being aware of what's going on in a child's day-to-day -day life, whether it be school or social-emotional growth and development, and in my opinion, family engagement is being an active participant in a person's, a child's day-to-day -day life, not just their own, their siblings, parents' life. Hi everybody, it's Kimberly Kay and Melissa Marie, and we are back together for this episode of Educated Sisters Fighting Education Ignorance. Yep, and we're glad to be back together. It's uh, been about five days since the March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C., and uh, while it was very disappointing not to have Mimi there with me, I'm so glad I went, and I'm so glad uh, I had the opportunity to share um, uh, my experience there with all of you so uh, thanks for your support and your feedback really enjoyed it and we brought t-shirts for the interns Yay. Dave and Noah have t-shirts Dave and Noah have t-shirts it was really fun uh, so we're back together and uh, this is going to be a full episode uh, the DC episode is kind of a mini-sode and uh, we're back on track now though so we're going to talk about uh, family engagement this week, and you will notice that I am not part of the interview because I actually had laryngitis uh, when it was recorded, and that's the second time this year, and I'm trying not to see it as a sign um, that I shouldn't be talking to other people, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll, I, I'm just going to have to wait that one out and see. Uh, so Mimi... Do you want to uh, take a minute and uh, and tell people about why you couldn't join me in D.C.? Well, I think, um, you know, I'm really disappointed that I wasn't able to go and be a part of that, but just needed to um, stay at home at the kind of the last minute to support my family and our school community and community at large um, uh, with the loss of a student and a peer of my of my own children so um, it just seemed like the right thing to do was to stay in town and I think what the um, this has reminded us to um, really take into consideration as we talk about school safety um, the mental health part and really um, keeping each other's well-being and our, our own well-being in mind so we feel like that's going to probably be an upcoming episode where we can talk a little bit about that and what schools and communities and um, 
uh, kids and adults can do to support one another. So we'll, we'll be looking forward to digging into that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I found as I was uh, interviewing people at the march, I purposefully was asking, I, I pur- purposefully asked the people uh, if they had any other concerns other than the gun violence issue. And there were several people who brought up the mental health issue. So it, it obviously it's extremely important. And I'm I'm really looking forward to delving into that a little more. Um, so that was great. That was great. And I was really sad that you weren't there, but I was, you know, when you, when you can see from a certain perspective, um, it it was so important for you to be there and not, not just for your kids, but for yourself too, because as parents, as educators, we are all, we are on a constant journey trying to figure out what we should do in any given situation when it comes to our kids. And um, you had an opportunity to grow, I think, as well, as an educator and as a mom. Yeah. So I'm super proud of you. Definitely some learning. I'm proud of you, little sister. So what's coming up for you? We are about to start spring break. How about you? Yep, us too. Um, I take off tomorrow um, with uh, two of my sons and a friend two friends so uh me and four teenage boys exploring olympic national park so that'll be it'll be an adventure the the deep woods the deep woods okay well that sounds that definitely sounds adventurous i hope you're bringing lots of reading material because four boys are probably not going to be great conversationalists what do you think i have lots of books Excellent. Yeah, that's what you want to do. Um, I'm. We're doing sort of a staycation thing with some periodic running out to the burbs um, or down south for a minute. Uh, but I look forward to it as well. And I know, I know our educators for sure need, uh, need this break. So that's good. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, family engagement versus parent involvement. And, you know, we do these little Edward things at the beginning of our episodes. And I found it super interesting that some of the people I talked to about it, whether they were educators or parents, they're not so sure people understand the difference. I'm really glad that you did this interview for our audience sake, because I think it actually helps explain the difference between parent involvement and family engagement. And the more I know about it, the more I really believe it's crucial. And the one thing I wanted to say is that because I'm now entering with my kids, middle school, my kid, I don't have more than one, um, my kid, middle school and then high school, it's, I'm wondering what the difference is. So maybe we can, maybe we can explore that at, at another time too. Absolutely. And um, I was really excited to go back and revisit a couple of teachers um, that I think really embraced this and didn't necessarily know how to do it, but were really open to what the research says and really stepping back to look at what was working. So we feel like you're going to be able to walk away and think about what are schools doing currently, what are families doing currently, and how can those be modified to just reach a deeper level of engagement and, and really um, 
think about that. And I also want to point out that um, in the resources part of our website, we're going to have listed um, one of the frameworks from Karen Mapp, from Dr. Karen Mapp from Harvard. She has a dual capacity framework that really looks at um, really pressing our schools and our families to think about how to take their, their partnership and their commitment to one another at a, to a deeper level. So we definitely want to offer that up as um, a resource to check out. That's terrific. All right, we'll be right back with that interview. Thank you so much, everyone. Hey, Educated peeps. Good news, Educated is now on iTunes, so go subscribe and listen to us on the go. And you can also subscribe to us on Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pod. We want to know what you're up to in the world of education. We want to know your personal stories about education. And we want to know what you want to hear about on our podcast, Educated. Sisters Fighting Education Ignorance. Fight the fight with us. I have the privilege today to be with um, two of my very near, dear former colleagues um, from when I was a building principal, two teachers that I hold in very, very high regard um, and really um, appreciate the time that we had together when we were a team um, at an elementary school. So I'm going to ask them to go ahead and introduce themselves to you, and then we're going to um, have a conversation about some of the things that we did to engage in effective family engagement. Um, I'm Kathy Kish, and I've been teaching for 16 years now, um, several in special ed, several in general ed and kindergarten, and I'm currently an academic interventionist for kindergarten through fourth grade. I'm Lindsay Harris. I've been teaching for 13 years. I've taught most of my years in kindergarten, but I'm currently a pre-K teacher in Texas. So part of the reason why I grabbed the two of you is because during um, a lot of our work as a team at our elementary school where we served uh, all together, um, we really started to um, try some things where we were really starting to um, tap into families at a more authentic level than what I think we had done in the past. And some of that had to do with a changing demographic of students. So I was hoping that you could start us off by just talking to us a little bit about the journey that you both took um, prior to your roles as kindergarten teachers to move from parent involvement to really family engagement. Um, I think like you said, our demographics were changing. And so we as a building needed to look at what we were doing with our students first. And so we did a lot of work with Ruby Payne. Um, and I think that's when um, one of your summer readings came home in it where she talked about home visits. And that's where I think I called you and I was like, hey, I, you know, Lindsay and I could totally do this if, I, if it's okay with her. You were like, yeah, you know. And so talking to Lindsay, then we both were so passionate about that and getting in their space because um, they so often, some families in poverty struggle with coming to our space and might have struggled with school. So we wanted to go there for several reasons. I think one of the reasons was so um, we can build that relationship faster with families and get to know who they are faster. Um, let them, originally when we first started home visits, it was visiting directly the teachers, the students that we had in our classroom, but that had changed later on. But so those families knew 
who their teacher was going to be before they had that first visit with us. Um, they met us at K Roundup, but they didn't know who the teacher was at that time. Um, and I think that the other part was helping alleviate, alleviate that anxiety for those students because there's so many of those kindergarten families or students struggle to, with that um, separation from their families. So that was another part. And then I think selfishly it was so we can know who's coming our way too because kindergarten you don't know who's coming. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, another reason. But mostly it was that relationship piece and building community. Yeah, I just really think that um, we had to change what we were doing because well, we weren't reaching everybody. And we needed to figure out a way to get to them first. And because for a lot of these kids it was their first, some families, their first experience with a child in school. So we were trying to find a way to make that connection because they didn't have any prior experience unless they had a sibling in school. Mm -hmm. So this was the way to do that for not only to build that relationship, but to also, like, like Kathy said, alleviate that stress a little bit and kind of give them a heads up of this is what school is going to be like. I'm your teacher. You'll see me on the first day of school and kind of start to crayons, build that relationship. Yes. You know, a pencil, mm -hmm. you know. You, you mentioned home visits and... Um, I want you to talk a little bit more about some of the other highlights, some of the other things that you did, and and, and keeping keeping in mind this idea of really engaging. So moving from parent involvement to really family engagement. So highlighting some things that you thought really embraced what we know about engaging families versus just involving parents. What were some other things that you that we experienced? Well, oh, yeah. I think with like kindergarten roundup, I think we started to change the dynamic of what that looked like. And it wasn't just like a sit and get, and it wasn't, this is what the bus comes. This is what we're going to be doing during school. But it was really sharing, like, what does our day look like? Like, what is your child going to really learn in a full year? Because the rigor had changed so much and so drastically since even we were in kindergarten. And some of these parents at that time would have been maybe older than us and really didn't have a clear idea of what kindergarten really entailed and at that time when we first started it was only half day but then we moved to the full day program and so really showing them exactly what it looked like and also showing them data and what happens if we don't start working from the start because it, the, the pace was just going to move faster and it was going to get away so I think that part and then also changing what we were doing with the kids during that time not only were we just having them sit in a room and before just have them sit in a room and play and things like that, but we were taking small assessment data. We were looking at social emotional skills. So we knew we were building those classrooms that we knew what we needed to do to support those students before they even walked in our classroom. And so that was really trying to show parents and, and help them understand how important it was and that we were going to work as a team from the start before we even had them in our classroom. So, Yeah, and I think with that, along with that, with the kindergarten roundup, we then provided resources for the families. And that came through MTSS because we were started really close to looking at our data. And when you have, I mean, at that one, at one point we had 50% of our first graders qualifying for reading recovery. That is, was striking to us. So we thought, okay, early intervention is the best intervention. So that's when we started coming up with the um, resources from Florida Center for Reading Research and providing fun ways to do activities to help fill those gaps before mm -hmm. they came to kindergarten. So we weren't working with students who had so many gaps that we could, we still had gaps to fill, but they weren't as dramatic as they could have been. So I do think that some families used them. When we did pull the cards back out in kindergarten, we are like, oh, you know, some, there were some kids who were like, oh, I have some cards like this at home. You know, so you did know that families were using mm -hmm. those resources. So 
that was one way we did it. Mm -hmm. I think the other one was the welcome back day where we was traditionally the open house, mm -hmm. you know, where families could come in and just roam around, see the classroom, meet us, you know, prior to school starting, where we changed that to being focused parent training of how, you know, we had one of our staff members train the parents while we were working with the students doing um, our assessments, our beginning of the year assessments, so we could get into routines faster in the classroom. So all those things were out of the way and that welcome that welcome back day, and that also incorporated, you know, doing the scavenger hunt around the, the building, and we were still able to meet with the parents and talk with them, um, but that parent training, I think, was really, really important. It was really good. And um, they didn't not only get the information, they got to apply mm -hmm. it right there, and then they got to take the resources home. Mm -hmm. right. So then they could take it right to their, then they became almost a teacher at that point with that skill, and so they had some ownership with that. Not only was it just like, they're going to come to school and a teacher's going to teach them things, but I can help them. And mm -hmm. I've been shown how to do it in the most effective way. So, so it sounds like you did a lot of like layering or scaffolding. So you at, at Roundup, which is the spring before students start kindergarten, you were showing them data about why it's important, right? Then you were meeting them in their home spaces, you know, in their own, in their own neighborhoods, on their porches, you know, seeing the families and the kids. And then you were bringing them in and carrying that over to helping them, um, exposing them and, and really explicitly teaching them some things that they could do at home with some resources that you provided. Um, so there was a lot of transfer back into the home. And then you could follow up it with conferences early in the class, early in the school year where you were looking at their individual student data at that point. Is that right? Yeah. And doing the... Goal setting. Goal setting. Goal setting. Yeah. yeah. Where you set, aside, set, set some goals according to that individual student's data in literacy, yes. in math, socially and emotionally, so that they could really, they understood where their child was exactly. at that point. Yeah. And then they had a compact design saying what they were going to do. And mostly it was just, you know, making sure that they're here, making sure that they're reading, making sure they're trying to do homework. But it was still, I think that helps set an urgency. Like, we're having them sign a document saying these are the things that we're going to do. I think some parents, most parents, I hope, you know, um, would take that seriously and saying, yeah, I just signed a contract saying that I was going to make sure that they're yeah. here. You it know? was a shared commitment, yes. right? A shared ownership. And I think that commitment. was the best thing about the, the goal setting conference is, I, is we sat down and we said, here's what I'm going to share with you. And by the time we're done, we're going to agree on something that we can work on together mm -hmm. to help your child be successful. So they felt like their, their opinion was part of that process and although we you know of course as teachers we have some focus areas but we still allowed them to have input and things and make sure they fully understood what we wanted them to practice and we gave them supports to do that before yeah. they even walked out the door. Always gave them resources mm -hmm. and didn't just say hey here you go be on your way and this is what we expect but there was also the commitment that what we were going to do mm -hmm. you know and there was a commitment on the student part too so that mm -hmm. piece of it I think is they knew we were in it together. Yeah. So and I think that's what really pushes it from being involved as a parent, maybe attending an event or showing up for a PTO meeting. That really takes you from that involvement of a parent to really embracing family because a lot of times you were meeting with not necessarily a mom or a dad. You were meeting with another family member that was supporting those kids. Mm -hmm. Great grandparents. Great grandparents, mm -hmm. yeah. Raising their children right Aunties. Mm-hmm. Sometimes older siblings we would have mm -hmm. involved in some of those conversations as well because mm -hmm. that was part of the family support system. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
What do you think was your motivation to make that shift when you read that piece on home visits, you know, initially or, you know, and then when, as we were doing things larger scale as a whole school community, what do you think, what was the motivation behind that? I think we're both early childhood backgrounds. So that was a part of our early childhood training is home visits, like how important that is in getting in their family space as well. So I think even though we knew that, I think reading it and the stuff that we were learning, you know, what went through the poverty stuff, I think just gave us permission almost, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and made it seem more important at that time, even though we both, I think, had that training. So, um, but part of, I mean, mostly it was because I think just we care about our families we care about our students and we wanted the best outcome for our families and for our students and we know that no what is it no significant learning occurs without a significant relationship and that's the first start with our with our families I mean that it has to be a true relationship between the families and and the staff mm -hmm. and um, and the, the students I'm going to answer the next question, and, and then, Lindsay, maybe you can hop in. But one of the benefits of making that shift, I feel like one of the benefits was, for me as a leader, was watching all of you just embrace families. Like, they're, you were you, you empowered them, and it, 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 you didn't go into it thinking they weren't going to be able to do this, right? Like, you knew they could do this, and you empowered them to engage at a deeper level. What were some of the other benefits, do you think? Well, I think we, we talked about this too, that because it came, became part of us as like a grade level mm -hmm. and it, then it, it, you know, it moved into canvassing, which was this, like a school-wide uh, initiative, that we built this culture and a culture of expectation that those kindergarten teachers are going to come every year and they're going to come to, they're going to visit. Now, and be clear, we're not going into their homes and sitting for 45 minutes and doing an assessment or anything, but it's just a stop by, a quick say hello Let's get out and find them in the neighborhoods and things like that. So I, I mean, I clearly remember walking through neighborhoods and kids being on bikes and saying, "They're coming! They're coming to our street!" Yes, yes. And so, and I would be like, "Who's that kid? We don't. We're not even sure who yeah. that kid is." But so I feel like, I feel like the benefit of it is that we were changing the culture of our school, and we didn't have buy-in with everybody. People thought we were crazy to do this for sixty-some kids, but we said. Any kid we have an address for, we're going to their house. And we drove as far as 40 miles away because we had school of choice. Um, and we spent nights up until 9 o'clock doing this. <laughs> yes, I do. We got, we got lost a couple times. But I think that was part of it is that we were so committed to reaching as many as we could to get that stuff out there that we wanted everyone to know that no matter if you live 40 miles away or not, that we were going to come see you. And it was, and it, it was, it was hard work. I mean, the shift oh. from involvement mm -hmm. to engagement is hard work, and it does take a high level mm -hmm. of commitment and understanding why it's so important to do, right? So yes. bringing in those research-based practices that, that talk about funds of knowledge and tapping into those with parents or, you know, what is that, what, what, what are those benefits? And I think at the secondary level, listening to students talk about that, or, or even our students, and listening to their voices talk about how important that is that their families are um, supporting their learning as well. Um, what do you suggest to schools and families um, as they look at their current practices? Because, like I said, it's much harder to do than to actually talk about. So if they were going to sit back and families or schools were going to say, we want to get better at this, what, what do you think you'd suggest? I mean, I think as a school, you really have to, if you need to step back and look at your demographics, because especially if they've changed 
you know, if you're moving from a culture where you had much more less at risk at one point and now it's changed, if you're not changing with them, you can't really attend to the families in the way you need to. So I think it's really important that first you just understand your demographic. And then from there, I think you need to look at the systems that you already have in place and find out what's working. And if it's not, you need to find a way to change those and then start the buy-in process mm -hmm. and get people on board. To... Buy-in is important. And mm -hmm. leadership is important. Mm -hmm. You have to have a leader who supports it too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. Well, because it's pushing the boundary. Mm -hmm. So whenever you push the boundary, it's much it's it's less hard when you have that support. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So share a, share a win or a disappointment while you were trying to engage families. Well, now that I've moved on to a new state and a new grade level, um, I've been trying to implement some parent family, some family nights for reading and math. And my very first one was this fall, and I did exactly what I thought was the right thing to do, which was to, I told parents at conferences that we were doing this, I sent out reminders, I, I talked to my pickup pick line, so I felt like I had lots of feedback and parents saying, yes, I'll come, and the night that we had it, only five families showed up, so I felt like, oh, I might have missed the boat, but I think the biggest thing that was out of that disappointment that I remembered is that, it's, that building culture takes time and it takes commitment and we have to build that and because I'm just the pre-k teacher over here that's a school-wide thing and yeah. it's, we need to we need to branch that out into a bigger larger group to build that so they expect but mm -hmm. I feel like this next round that's coming getting ready to come up I've already had more interest okay. because we talked about it and the kids that went talked about it so I feel like even though it was a disappointment, it just helped me put a little bit more into perspective about yeah. where we're at as a school. Right. And what we really need to do is really understand our demographic and start to reach out as a whole. So we start to build that culture and that, you know, that community and the invitation to come to school. So. Well, I think the first year we did home visits, we had families not answer the door mm -hmm. because it was such a new thing. I mean, we can remember specifically one family, and you would never have dreamed once you met the family that they would not open the door for us. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just so new to have a teacher in your space mm -hmm. that but after that it was most people I mean I very rarely I can't even remember really the last time we didn't have anyone answer the door we had mm -hmm. some other issues like movement of families you know they mm -hmm. were no longer at that address but um but yeah no I think I, I I think Lindsay and I both are really passionate about early intervention and so when we go into these spaces you meet the whole family mm -hmm. and you see their siblings and there was one sibling that um uh when we went needed some support with with early childhood and so we were able to connect them with that and I think that's a win so it, it just shows that you're not just there for that one student but you're there for the entire family yeah. and so I I just think that is um we're just missing a lot of families that need support and don't realize that it's out yeah. there. So it was really good to get into their space and and realize even just what where they're coming from. So when a kid is struggling, you can keep that in mind of yeah. you know where they're coming from and what their family has yeah. to do to make ends meet. Absolutely. And so that just gives you a whole level of empathy that you would never have. They're not just a student. They're no. a person mm -hmm. with experience and background and situation and context to all keep in mind. And with hardworking parents who are struggling themselves to make ends meet and I think yeah yeah and mm -hmm. I think it's I think we lose sight of that and we think sometimes we take it so personally without realizing yeah. where our students are coming from. You had another mm -hmm. win that you mentioned before we started recording about um, some specific a specific group of students that you worked with and how you saw progress 
in well, those students. That's one of the benefits we think it was. Yeah, um, the, one of the benefits that Ms. that Lindsay came up with was um, there's several for sure, but we were thinking uh, once we had everything established, where we were working really hard with collaboration as a team. Um, we had a really great solid team. We knew our curriculum better. Um, we were full day kindergarten. We were doing home visits. We had high family engagement, but it was a very, the class that we were dealing with that year was one of the most difficult classes that we had come through Sycamore. Oops. And so, um, one of the, I'll, I'll redo that. Um, one of the classes that was the most difficult that came through our school and, uh, they ended with the highest kindergarten data that we've ever had come through our building. But they also, in fourth, in third grade last year, outperformed our sister school, who is at a higher SES than us. And so, I mean, it's they're you know they're definitely still a high poverty. It wasn't just a fluky grade that had a lot of you know. Um, it wasn't that they weren't low income still. And that they still weren't at risk, and they yeah. weren't, but they outperformed them. Yeah. So it was, you know, definitely some soft data there. Yeah. You can't directly link it to right. academic achievement. But, but it speaks to the comprehensive mm -hmm. nature and all those pieces, you know, being in place. Well, it's not just one thing. You can't yeah. just do home visits and say you're mm -hmm. good to go. There's no. there's right. much more yeah. that goes into that. But that's a really good start. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Well, I'm smiling ear to ear because I love hearing you talk because I know these were things that we worked on together with a lot of heart and a lot of soul and for so many of the right reasons and it's hard to come by and so I'm hoping that people will learn from these experiences and know that yes, it's a lot of commitment and a lot of effort, but that it's 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 well worth it and the benefits far outweigh, you know, the effort and the hard work that it takes. So I just want to thank you both and Thanks for spending some time from Texas with us, Lindsay. We're always glad to have you back. So, thank you so much. In a world with too few jokes and too few laughs, to the rescue comes Papa Ron. What bowl cannot be tied?